It's time for Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Now, here's Bart Scott and Dan Grossa. And welcome into Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. Happy New Year, everybody. Dan Grossa alongside Bart Scott. Bart, entertaining game there on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Jets look like they might have shocked the football world and knocked off the defending Super Bowl champs, but not enough execution at the very end. Left Tom Brady with just a little bit too much time, and they walked off the field a 28-24 loser to the defending Super Bowl champs, but a heck of an effort by that football team yesterday. Well, it was a measuring stick, right, and talking about you know who the offense didn't have on the Jets' side and still being able to hang in there. And I thought they did a great job and not giving up the big plays early in the game. And, you know, you talk about the offense being effective, being up by 14 points in the third quarter, uh, but close only counts in horseshoes. And, you know, you heard C.J. Mosley say, you know, it's not any such thing as moral victories. But to young players, they are, right? To young players, this was a measuring stick. This was, you know, the Jets Super Bowl, so to speak, going against, you know, the best of the best. Um, They had opportunity to kind of, disrupt the playoff picture um it, it just wasn't to be and hopefully they learned that you have to finish in this league and you have to play four quarters you have to execute in high pressure situations which they didn't right i think everybody in there knew and had saw this movie before that's why solid decided to try and end the game and have control of the game in his hands with the fourth down call now you can talk about the discrepancies of you know, was it a must-run play? I know that's the controversy. Right. But but outside of that, you talk about, you know, the performance that they put on. This team didn't quit. And they showed a lot of grit, a lot of heart. I got to, um, you know, really uh, commend the offensive line because Zach Wilson wasn't under much duress, right? And um, once again, you know, I said it last week because we had him on the show. Braxton Berrios is the mainstay. They're going to have yep. to make sure that he's the priority. I think he's the first guy that you get signed. But every week that goes by that he hasn't got signed or an extension, and at this point, I don't think who would do that, who wouldn't go to free agency to try and see what his value, be able to maximize his value. But he's one of the guys that you can depend on. He's one of these grit guys. No matter what the situation is, he comes through. That's why it was disheartening to know that they were going to put the ball in his hands to end it. He's one of your better players, one of your best playmakers, and he always has a knack of making the play, and he didn't get that opportunity. No doubt about it. And, you know, he seems to be making himself more and more money with each passing week. Like you said, whether that's from the Jets or whether it's from some other team, we hope it's from the Jets, of course. But, you know, ultimately the coach decided to win the game on that fourth and two. Now, you could have kicked the field goal, gone up seven, and then make the Bucks go the length of the field to at least tie you, you know, which they ultimately did. But, but he wanted to end the game. Too. They yeah, got the two-point conversion, the two. too. They might so, have went for the two, yeah. That would exactly. have been, been even more disheartening that you uh-huh. lose by one. No doubt about it. And so, look, again, I even at the time, I had no problem at all with the decision to end the game. That's being aggressive. That's trying to play winning football. And if they get a yard and a half, they get two yards, the game is over there. You know, they felt they had a good play. Maybe, like you said, the execution or the message that went towards the execution got lost in translation a little bit. But, you know, think about how shorthanded they were going into the game. Then you think about during the game. You lose your left tackle in George Fent. You lose Michael Carter in the first quarter, who – broke off a 50-plus yard one and looked like he was going to have himself another big game. You know, Bryce Huff goes down in the football game. One of the only two tight ends or whatever you had active for the game, Dan Brown goes down. So it seems like this team so far from 100% came this close to beating a really, really good Bucks team. 
And look, ultimately, Bart, you didn't win the game. You got one more left up in Buffalo. They're playing for a division championship next week. You just hope that this momentum and this type of effort is also the same thing you're going to see next week in the season finale. I don't think you have a problem, especially when you talk about the last game of the season and what it means and the indications as well. You know, because if you're uh, any player on this team, you understand that, you know, the Jets and you understand your team, you're going to have to make some decisions to improve this team. And you hope that you're part of the um, improvement process. And I think some of the determining factors is going to be about what type of character that you showed when you knew that it was nothing to play for other than pride. And, you know, these are the important games because you're not going to get a flat Buffalo team that's looking past you saying, hey, we'll play our bunch of our reserves because, you know, we we have everything that we need. We don't want to risk getting anybody hurt for the postseason. They're playing for the division title. They're playing for the the right to get a, to have to play a lower seed and not have to be a lower seed and play one of these high seeds and go to Kansas City early in the, in, in the uh, process or have to go out to Tennessee early in the process. So that's what they're fighting for so that they can try and ease into the playoffs. So they're, you're going to get everything they have, right? They're going to come out. Yep. This is, they're in playoff mode already. And you're going to have to match that intensity because you're just a team with nothing to lose that has the advantage in these type of situations. But, you know, really right now, I think you're going to have a Buffalo team that's going to play with a sense of desperation and a sense of tempo to try and make a statement early in the game. So you're going to have to come off the bus ready to play. And no doubt about it. And you think about yesterday, too, with Buffalo. You know, they got their wake-up call to a certain extent. The first half was a little dicey for them out home against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, granted, they were playing basically on an ice skating rink with all the elements up there. But still, they collected themselves in the second half. And then they were able to get the victory that they needed. So that's what the Jets are going to be up against. And we got plenty of time to talk about that game moving forward. But back to yesterday for a second. You know, one of the takeaways and one of the things that was impressive in that game How about the fact that this team ran for 150 yards against one of the best run defenses in all the National Football League and throw in the fact that Michael Carter leaves the game in that first quarter after the concussion. So kudos to Ty Johnson, who we haven't seen much of the last couple of weeks. Remember, he suffered from the drop season that one game against the Saints. And, you know, the coaches let him know this is a meritocracy. You have to perform if you want to play. So credit to him. Credit to Austin Walter and credit to that offensive line who opened up enough holes there to be able to at least keep the ground game and the momentum going on offense, eat up some clock against a really good run defense. Well, talking about establishing balance, right? Because you can't have play action without action, right? So, you know, I think it was a real viable threat. Now, I understand that, you know, the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers didn't have, you know, Pierre Paul, they didn't have Barrett, but that's no excuse. They still have a Hall of Famer and Domkin Sue on the offensive line that one of the best run stoppers or two of the best run stoppers in the history of this game and Steve McClendon and um, and uh, Vita Vea. So they had, you know, they still had Devin White. They still had yep. enough players to be a dominant unit. You know, you would think that they would have the matchup, but, you know, uh, shot, uh, congratulations. And you know, I think recognition is due to LaFleur for finding creative ways. You talk about the the, the reverses and the sweeps and being continuing to be creative in the run game to keep teams off balance. You know, we know that they weren't going to just be able to to, to fire off and, and, and move the line of scrimmage against, you know, a front like that, but they got them going sideways, got them thinking, got them, you know, stopping their feet. And you have to, you have to credit the, the play design and, and, and the philosophy because we're starting to see it really pay dividends as I think that everybody on the team is starting to understand how they're going to move the football. So, I mean, you think with a healthy Makai Becton, a, 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 a fat back, you know, maybe some upgrades through free agency or the draft, you know, this can be one of the most dominant units, young units in the league. 
I, no I, doubt I, about truly, it. I truly believe that. And they have to believe that. And they're going to continue to create depth at the position. I thought a Doga came in, he gave up one sack, but he played very well. And he's been a, a, a valued backup, being able to his versatility. And I, I think, you know, listen, the Jets are moving in the right direction. And yesterday was proof of it. No doubt about it. Almost six yards of carry on the ground, as a matter of fact, on average. It's it's weird, though, because, like, you know, with all the adversity and all the trials and tribulations you face over the course of a long season, and now we've been into this thing, you know, four or five months, now you start to hit your stride a little bit at the end, right? You start to establish consistency. Offensively, I mean, shoot, the last few games, probably the best on a week-in, week-out basis this offense has looked all season long here. You almost just wish to a certain degree – hey, can we hit the rewind button and go back and pick things up again from like week four, like playing this well, right? Like you kind of wish that, boy, where was this early in the season? But this is, you know, it's another step in the process of trying to build a program and grow a program. And I think if you're a Jeff fan, you're probably really excited about some of the strides you're making late in the season that you hope you could carry with you into the offseason and then, of course, into the 2022 campaign. Well, that's the key, right? You know, being able to have some consistency because just because you're finishing strong doesn't guarantee that you're going to start strong. So it's going to take a level of focus and determination and understanding what, you know, you are, you are what your record is. So you have to understand what the perception are, you know, of yourself and your team is around this league. And you have to make the necessary adjustments, but also you have to go into the off season with a plan, right? And we, we, we talk about, you know, you have the off season, but then you have your off season. And, you know, I know when I was young and I was trying to ascend in this league, you know, I didn't take much time off before I went back into the lab because you mm -hmm. have to make you have to make you have to make up the ground on, on people that's ahead of you in the process. And you're especially when you're a young player and you talk about the Jets being the youngest football team in the league. You know, you have a lot of guys that have to get, you know, some 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 seasoning, some um, some maturing, some 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 veteran, uh, you know, type of characteristics. And you only get that by going on and, and start getting back with your trainers, getting back with your football, uh, you know, people in the off season and start to be critical of yourself, breaking down and understanding, you know, we, we talk about breaking down the opponent all the time. You know, one of the most important things in becoming a better football player and going from good to great or from average to good is being able to be able to self scout, right? You have to be critical and self scout yourself. You have to be able to look at yourself and say, this is where the holes are in my game. And this is where I can have the greatest improvement by being better at this. You know, understand, OK, these are the, these are the fronts that we play in. These are the people I have in front of me. Where do I need to be better at? And, and, and breaking down that famine, and sometimes it's not pretty. Right. And, and and we'll see who wants to be who wants to improve because they're going to go in there. They're going to have those conversations with their position coaches. And they're going to see which guys are going to call up and say, hey, you know, can you put these um, plays together for me where I can show uh, where I can improve, where I can see where my footwork was bad. And then it becomes, you know, you have to go and say, hey, I have to be disciplined. I have to be able to say, OK, I can be able to, to, to make improvements here. Look at my footwork and you go and you rep it to death. Right. Ten thousand hours of what is what it takes. And, you know, you can enjoy January a little bit. But February, you got to start getting ready because, you know, March is, is right before the time you come back and they start looking for your replacement. Very true. It's very true. This is Inside the Jets brought to you by Selective Insurance. Be uniquely insured. You know, one of the takeaways, of course, and you thought it would be the ultimate takeaway from that game yesterday, if not for those two yards there on that fourth down, the storyline's probably Zach Wilson first and foremost and how well he played yeah. yesterday. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And 234 yards passing, 
touchdown, fourth game in a row, Bart, without an INT. And when you think about his supporting cast and what he had around him and not no knock on any of the guys that were out there battling yesterday, but we talked about the offensive linemen that were down, you know, missing his top three wide receivers, down a couple of tight ends, down his top two running backs by the time the second quarter rolled around. Yet that guy went out there and, again, played mistake-free football, you know, distributed the ball to his playmakers, really, I mean, trusted his eyes, as we heard him talk about time and time again here, very, very strong close to the season here. And again, another positive that you take which into the offseason with your most important position now seemingly starting to understand the week-in, week-out task of being a quarterback in this league. Yeah, you talk about what I thought he did a great job of is having pocket awareness, right? I, I didn't see him, you know, um, giving up on the protection, believing in the protection, standing in the eye of the hurricane and delivering the football. And you know that, you know, the players that, that that sought out the opportunities were making plays for you. And you say, okay, well, if this is how we're going to go about it, just imagine if we're able to, you know, improve some of the pieces around and some of the pieces come back and they get continuity, you know, and, and okay, you know, I think week day one, you say, this is what our staple, right? This is our foundation. This is what we do. This is how we block, you know, simple runs to the right, zone right, zone left, you know, inside zone. This is how we do our gap schemes, our man schemes. But now you can start growing packages, right? You can start growing the package. You know, and you say, okay, the core of these guys are going to be with each other for a long time. You have that, you know, you watch, you know, Sunday night football and you watch, you know, the the um, nonverbal communication that Devontae Adams has oh, yeah. with, with Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's because they've been through so much together. They wrap, rep things together, that they see things the same way, that you can make these subtle um, gestures or um, – nonverbal communications to each other and that nobody knows what's going on but you two and that's how you develop those type of things by saying okay this is how we do this this is the staple this is where you're expected to be and you hold people to that standard and you know zach i thought did a great job in believing in his protection staying in the pocket saying you know what i'm going to trust that no matter who these names are on the on the players in front of me i believe that my guys gonna get it done and um good job by 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 freeman i always say his name wrong uh, Freeman, I call him the stash, the AK, the mullet. I mean, Dan I Feeney. Like, yeah, Dan Feeney. See, I always say Freeman. I don't know why I say Feeney. You know, Feeney, um, he did a tremendous job and just what a what a job. I mean, he comes yeah. in, you know what I mean, and, 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 as a backup, and he, it was he was a non-story. It was a non-story. It wasn't, oh, look, we've seen Vita Vea smack people around all over the place, right? We've seen him bull rush and be and put and put centers in a, in a lapse of their quarterbacks. Not yesterday. Didn't even hear about it. It's a great point you made. It's a great point you made. You didn't hear Dan Feeney's name once the entire game, and that's a testament to him and a testament really to that whole group and how well that they played. And it's that next man up philosophy, and it seems like they've been dealing with that for the last couple of weeks there too. And, you know, as a whole, you know, you talk about like, you know, the things that ultimately get the attention placed on them during a game. Penalties is one way that that's certainly highlighted for the wrong reasons. Only two penalties in that football game by the Jets yesterday for 14 yards. You know, not costly mistakes, right. which unfortunately you've seen at different points throughout the season. So you could not have asked for anything more yesterday except walking off that field with a W, and they came this close to that happening. And it took, you know, arguably the greatest player to ever step on a football field for that to happen in the final seconds of that game. But um, the loss stings, but there's so many good takeaways from that one yesterday if you're wearing a Jet uniform. Well, now I got you, right? I got you, right? Because now it's on film. Yep. You did it against the best in the world. So 
if you can do it against the best of the world, understand that it, it, every opponent requires and deserves that same level of attention, focus, right? And I think the reason why they came out is because guys understood what the assignment was. They understood the opponent that they were facing, and they knew that if they weren't prepared, if you didn't prepare on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that you were going to get embarrassed. And you have to understand, you have to have that same level of preparation for every single opponent because you can't take anything for granted in this league. So now that I have it on film, I see that, hey, you can hold up Vita Veda. You can get movement on a Dom Kinsu. You can get uh, – you can you can push McClendon off the ball. You can, you can get the edge on Goldston. Those are some of the best in the game. So if you can do that with them, I expect that same level of efficiency – against everybody so now i got you because i know you can do it you've shown right. me that you can do it so when you don't do it you have to explain to me why you didn't get it done because i know yep. you're capable standard has been set absolutely no more excuses after that coming up here on inside the jets we'll be joined by a member of this new york jets roster it's dan gross and bart scott and you're listening to inside the jets presented by ey building a better working world and welcome back into Inside the Jets. Dan Grasso alongside Bart Scott. It's time now for our player guest segment brought to you by EY Building a Better Working World. We're pleased to be joined now by a member of that Jets secondary. It's Elijah Riley, who was nice enough to give us a couple of minutes on the program here. Elijah, Dan, and Bart, thanks for joining us today on this Monday. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. You know what? When, it, when, you, when you go against great players and not, you know, me coming to the league, it, those guys at that time was like Dan Marino, or it was it was still guys left around the league like um, Warren Moon or Randall Cunningham. Um, how does it feel like you know to go against the goat? Because no matter how long you play in this league, he's probably going to be the best player that you've ever gone against. And at some point before you got into the league, you're a fan of his. What was it like, and how long did it take you to adjust to saying, you know what, let's get after this guy? Because you know, I, I would assume that in the warm ups and leading up to the game, you're like, man, this is the goat you know, and, and, and what the assignment was going to be. Yeah, no, honestly, um, on my way to the game is when I, I kind of experienced that most and was thinking, like, wow, I'm going to get some, some great players today. But, uh, you know, warm-ups and, and throughout most of the game, it, it, it just felt like a regular game, you know. Um, it was that stepping on the field for that last two minutes where I was like, okay, like, I'm going against somebody who does this very well. Um, Brady's – had had many comeback uh, wins in in that situation, so I knew that we had to give it our all, and and unfortunately we weren't able to, you know, kind of get get the win in the in the end. Do you have any flashbacks, Elijah? Because I know that you're a local product, and being a Jet fan growing up and going to training camp, watching them play, and I mean, as a kid, the Jets are still having to deal with Tom Brady. Now, fast forward all these years later, it's you on the field trying to stop him. Do you ever think, boy, like, what would you have said to that kid 20 years ago, knowing that he would eventually still be playing in the NFL all these years later? Man, I was not a fan of Brady coming up. Uh like you said, flashbacks to it. I'd seen it a couple times before, and and to have it done in real life, and and it happened to be on me. You know, it's very unfortunate. Um, and going forward, you know, I I know I can't make that same mistake. You know, you know, be, you know, being a former safety myself, I know you may not think I played safety, but I actually played safety in college. You know, mm -hmm. it, it was you know, and I and I'm assuming that you're talking about the last play, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just like it's learning. It's learning. Um, 
you know, I'm assuming that you're reading two to one. You see two, you'll see two go to the flats. And, and just for that brief second of squaring up, you know, yeah. let you know that 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 foot position, not staying open up at a 45 and getting over the top and aiming for the top shoulder is just yeah. it's, it's just the little nuanced things. And those things are, are, are part of the learning process. And unfortunately, you'll probably never do that again. But then you have to learn for the moment that, hey, you're talking about, you know, Grayson is a little bit faster than what people know, because it's just one thing to see yeah. somebody speed on the field. I mean, on, on film, but it's another thing to see it on the field. And it's something that you'll learn from, but you got to be kicking yourself in the butt. But what type of motivation is that for you going into the offseason to be able to make sure that you make the, make the necessary adjustments? Because I know some of my biggest mistakes were some of the biggest teaching lessons and growing moments for me to make me a better player and ultimately get me uh, paid in this league. Yeah, you know, I, I learned that lesson against arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. So, um this offseason is about to be just about detailing my work, you know, not putting myself in a situation where um, I can allow that play to happen or I can make the play to finish the game. You know, I think that's something I'm capable of and um, something I, sh I, sh I should have been able to do. But, you know, it's like like you said, it's a learning experience. Uh, I got to trust my angles, trust my eyes and, and ultimately be able to come down with that ball. You know, one of the funniest things is, right? is when you go against Grunt, right? Because you look at him at film, the dude look like it takes so much for him to move. You're like, yo, this yeah. dude, like, how's he moving? Uh, uh, it's like everything looks like it hurts, right? Yeah, and then you, try, you go, then you try and you go hit him. You're like, man, this dude is built out of granite. Like, he's like yeah. the football version of Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds, man. <laughs> like, and, and it's funny because you're like, man, how do I get this dude down, man? You're like, you go low, you knock yourself out, hit him on the legs. What was that experience like, like going up against Grunt for the first time? Because people don't realize, to me, we talk about Brady being the GOAT, but to me, arguably, Gronk will go down as probably the greatest tight end in the league, not because of he was just the greatest receiver. Um, arguably, he's the greatest combination tight end in the history of the game because he can set that edge with the best of them. Yeah. No, um, I got that hit on the sideline against him, and I, I, I had given him everything I had. And he barely moved. And I was like, damn, this is a large human being. I just ran into a brick wall. Um, so I knew the rest of the game, I was really going to have to put my all into him. And, uh, you know, sure enough, whether it was in coverage or him, him blocking me, I had to I had to really give everything I had against him. He, he's a big body. He's a very talented player. And, um, you know, like it, it was it was a fun experience playing against him. I didn't think we'd be getting any Revenge of the Nerds references this morning on the show, but it's all good. It's, it makes for good conversation here. Uh, you know, Elijah, you think about the way that game played itself out yesterday, and I know that even late in the season, there's no such thing as moral victories. You guys want to walk off the field a winner, and, you know, you laid it all out there on the line. But are there still positives you draw from that game yesterday, even though you came this close to really upsetting the football world? Yeah, you know, we're 10 seconds away from beating the, the, the former world champs. And uh, obviously there's promise in that. You know, it shows that we're, we're, we're capable of doing big things. We just got to be able to finish and close. Um, I think we've seen flashes of that throughout the season where, you know, we've been really good in, in, in one phase or another, even all phases in the game, and just haven't been able to uh, finish it all the way out. So I think going forward, you know, with this last game and then going forward to next year, um, our, our, our biggest challenges will be fit, uh, being able to finish and, and proving that or we've proved that we could play with the best of them. Now we just got to prove that we could finish them off. Now, listen, I listen, I, I got my start. I don't know if you, you're familiar with my story, but I got my start because Ray Lewis pulled a hamstring. 
You talk mm-hmm. about next year, right? But this year has been a tremendous opportunity for you to make a name for yourself. Like you're like a little baby Bobby Boucher back there, right? And I, and I can re, I can relate to that because I was a hitter as well, right? So yeah. how you embrace like the opportunity to get on the football field and be able to show your talents? And, you know, for you, what's the expectations going forward? You know, do you like that position and do you plan on staying there? You know what I mean when I say that? Yeah, no, I, you know, I enjoy um, having been afforded the opportunity to play the way I have and, you know, being granted the opportunity to be the starter so far. And um, I like to get down. I like to get rough and hit and stuff. Um, So, you know, going forward, I'm going to continue to play my game. It's just now a matter of detailing the things that I I need to improve on. Um, But, yeah, no, I like I I like to get down in there, get get dirty, lay the the wood every so often and, um, you know, now now I got to be able to prove that I can do it in coverage as well. Have you had a chance, you know, Bart talked about your journey or whatever. Have you really had a chance just even, you know, maybe quiet time by yourself to kind of sit back and think, you know, what type of a roller coaster year this has been for you? Really not even here, just the last few months, right? You're on the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. practice squad earlier in the year. And then fast forward, you're on the Jets, the team you grew up rooting for. And now you're one of their starting safeties. Have you thought about just the the crazy kind of story that you've been uh, writing for yourself here during the last few months? Yeah, you know, it's been a whirlwind, whirlwind and I've had a uh, limited opportunity, you know, to sit back, take a breather and, and soak it in. But um, I'm trying to smell the roses as I go. Uh, obviously not allowing or, or getting too caught up in the hype of it and still staying locked in on what needs to be done. Um, the offseason will be my opportunity to really sit back and enjoy the fruits of my labor. But, um, yeah, it's been kind of nonstop. Uh, I haven't had much time to settle in and, and get too comfortable, which, you know, I'm okay with. It's kept me on my toes. It's kept me locked in. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, regardless, it's been exciting. It's been a fun experience, and I've definitely enjoyed it so far. No. No doubt about it. Well, Elijah, we want to hear more of that story coming up in just a minute, so hang tight. More with Elijah Riley here on Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets. Dan Grassa and Bart Scott with you. We're joined by Jet Safety Elijah Riley. You know, Elijah, serious thing that happened to you a couple of weeks ago when you suffered that injury in Miami. It was very scary at the time. Um, you know, it's great to see you back on the field, of course, and playing and doing your thing, but you just take the listeners through that whole experience and, you know, what you were thinking. I mean, that's got to be a frightening moment is, you know, you're playing football and the next minute they're stretching you off the field and you don't know what's happening. Yeah. You know, um, the incident itself was, was uh, a scary moment, you know, kind of taking a hit. And then I, I, you know, I knew I felt all right. I was dazed. Uh, my head hurt. Obviously I had a concussion, but um once they brought the stretcher out, that's when, you know, I kind of felt what was going on a little more and the gravity of the situation. So um, I knew that it was all a part of protocol and I had to, you know, go along with it, especially given, you know, my neck was bothering me a little bit, obviously the headache. So um wanted to make sure that I was okay. Obviously they wanted to make sure I was okay. So ultimately I was okay, clearly, which is, which is the important thing, but um frightening experience and then you know I was very fortunate and grateful you know I'm not taking anything for granted anymore situations like that I've seen happen where you know guys either aren't able to play football anymore or they're they they have trouble living life going forward you know so I'm, I'm grateful that 
I wasn't, I experienced no limitations whatsoever. And, uh, you know, I've got angels around me for sure. Well, the good thing is you got the little Afro puff right there. It's a little um, shock absorber a little bit. <laughs> For real. <laughs> but, but 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 growing up, you talk about, you know, you know, being a Jets fan growing up. You know, as far as we all have, you know, people that we try and model our game after, people that we look up to, people that we're fans of, either current or or previous. Growing up, who was your safeties that you really wanted to study? And who 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 really did you look up to um and, and playing the position? Yeah, so coming up, I played corner. Um, it was a huge Revis and Cromartie fan. Uh, loved Revis' style of play. You know, he was physical, in your face, press corner, uh, who would still come down and make the big hit. So coming up, playing corner, I wanted to be like him. And um, obviously, Brian Dawkins is a phenomenal safety. So those were two guys that, you know, I, I enjoyed watching play the game. Um, once I made the move to safety, B Dog was definitely somebody that I wanted to model my game after as well. You know, good good guy in coverage, but he's gonna come down and, and, and make you feel him. You know, he's gonna he's gonna punish you each time he comes in and, and makes that hit. Now, being being that you said you you played corner and you grew up playing corner, you know, how impressive because I feel like one of the best guys to kind of make it in the modern era is Tyron Matthews, you know, coming mm -hmm. in at LSU playing corner. Uh, we know that, of course, Charles and Rod Woodson made that transition. But yeah. I would probably say that your game and your size is more catered to Tyron Matthews. You know, when you look at him as a player and look at how he's made the adjustments, what are some of the things that you appreciate about his game? Yeah, he's, his versatility is is phenomenal to watch. You know, he could play outside corner. He could play the slot. He could play free, strong, and even get down there in the box. Um He's an aggressive style player, and you know he's he's really a pure football player. Um, I've always enjoyed watching him play. You know, I used to turn on the LSU highlight tapes before college games, and uh, he's he's somebody I've enjoyed watching and and watch grow throughout his uh, NFL time. You know, um, I think he's he's really become a very seasoned veteran and somebody who's very savvy in the secondary and, and makes a lot of plays uh, because of it. You talk about your college game. I'm sure some fans know, most fans know that you went to Army, uh, mm -hmm. your former Black Knight. What was your journey like? How did you end up at West Point? Yeah, um, you know, Long Island football, uh, under-recruited. I feel had a lot of FCS offers, and, you know, Army was one of my bigger offers. But ultimately, it came down to wanting to set myself up for the best opportunities as a man and a football player. You know, so going to a premier leadership institution, I felt was the best fit for me as a person. Um, and then, you know, I, I obviously get the opportunity to play Division One football and continue to pursue my dream of the NFL. And I loved it. It was a hard, hard experience. You know, um, de definitely wasn't the, the easy path, but uh, I'm very proud of the fact that I stuck it out. I finished it. I graduated and, and I'm now here uh, playing for the Jets. Well, you, you talk about that. I, I've done a financial literacy program up there, so they've walked me through those halls, the child hall, and all the things yeah. that you guys are required to do outside of football. You know, how did how did that develop you and your leadership skills as far as being able? You talk about how hard it was, and we always talk about you know do things that are hard and life will be easy. You know, mm -hmm. so you talk about going to training camp, talk about competing for an opportunity to have an opportunity. How did West Point prepare you from a leadership standpoint that way? Yeah, you know, there were there aren't many things uh, up to now in life that have been any harder than West Point. 
and I don't really foresee many things being much harder. But um, like I said, it's an experience I'm forever grateful for. It's made me a better person as a result, better leader. You know, um, I was I was voted captain uh, my senior year by my teammates. You know, I was very appreciative of that. But to be a leader of leaders is uh, is a great experience because you know I get to learn from from my teammates. Being being in a leadership role, uh, surrounded by dudes who they themselves have been captains of football teams, have are, are on the leadership council themselves. And um, I'm still being able to learn and grow with them. So just being surrounded by very capable individuals, uh, very intelligent individuals, and then great football players was uh, such a well-rounded experience. And um, I enjoyed every second of it. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're the only guy on the team from one of the service academies. So do you and your mm. teammates ever talk around and when you're swapping stories about your college experiences? I mean, your college experience is a lot different than probably everybody else's on that team, given the different schools that they went to, because they didn't have to have certainly the commitments that, you know, one of the cadets has to necessarily at West Point. Do you guys ever share stories and you think to yourself, boy, I, I had to be a lot more committed maybe than some of these other guys had to when it came to just making my way through college? Yeah, you know, there weren't many uh, chances for missteps at West Point. But um, I've shared a lot of stories with dudes. Uh, we actually have three other dudes who went to service academies. Uh, Zane Lewis and uh, Parker Ferguson went to Air Force. And then oh, um, that's right. Went okay, to, went to the Citadel. But uh, they've got similar experiences. So, you know, we'll laugh and joke. Um, but sharing sharing the stories with the guys who played, uh, who, who, who didn't go to a service academy is funny because, you know, I'm telling them some of the things that I thought were regular. Um, and it's not even remotely close to the experiences that they've had. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got one game left this season and mm -hmm. you're going to go up to Buffalo next week. It's going to be a late afternoon game. You know, the place is going to be packed because they're trying to win a division championship. You know, mm -hmm. what would it mean to go up there and potentially, you know, play the role of spoiler and maybe eliminate them from winning the AFC East to close out the season on a high? You know, that would be a cool experience, but uh, aside from that, you know, I want to see us put together a full game. Um, it'd be exciting to go against somebody, you know, division game, uh, division rival, and, and and somebody who's in a playoff hunt, you know, they're a good team. It'd be real exciting and, and, and you know, a great opportunity for us to put it together in all three phases, put it together for a full 60 minutes and come out with a W. And that And that's something that I'm personally more excited for. No doubt about it. Well, Elijah, thanks for a couple of minutes today. We really appreciate it. Day after a game for joining us here. And uh, best of luck against the Buffalo Bills this week and really into the offseason. And we look forward to seeing you continue to grow as a player here with the Jets. But thanks for hopping on. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys for having me. Thank you. All right. That's Elijah Riley. Still more of Inside the Jets presented by EY, building a better working world. And welcome back to Inside the Jets. Dan Gross alongside Bart Scott. And we're brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And remember, Jets fans, you can watch Inside the Jets through the Jets app presented by Fubo Sportsbook. Go to the App Store or Google Play right now and search official New York Jets. Thanks to Elijah Riley for hopping on with us. Earlier in the show, Bart, we were talking about the play of the quarterback, Zach Wilson, how well he fared again yesterday. Let's hear from the Jet quarterback who, after the game, spoke with our very own Bob Wischusen. Zach, look, I know there aren't moral victories in this league. Having said that, though, maybe wide-angle lens, not just today, but the last month or so since you've come back from injury. I would have to think you feel like you've taken a step forward and the guys around you have taken a step forward with you. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, and that's the goal. I mean, that's the mindset every single week is 
you know, we're, we're working for something more than just this game this year. You know, we're, we're working for the future. So, you know, we can't hang our heads low from this. I mean, you know, it, it does suck. It hurts, you know, especially because we had it, you know, right there. But, you know, the guys got to keep their chin up and, and understand we're getting better. Um, we're, we're on the right path and we just got to keep keep working, keep doing our thing, um, you know, and, and things will take care of themselves. How hard is that to do, though, when you lose a game like that? It's tough, man. It's really tough. But I promise you, like, you know, being in that situation, how many learning experience there was, you know, for me, having to manage the clock, the situation, you know, the the uh, um, field position, all the different things. And then also our defense on that last drive, you know, how they can be better uh, and improve right there as well. Um, you know, a lot of good learning. That's just going to make us better in the long run. I know the fans will want to hear your take on going forward on fourth and yard and a half or so and the decision to quarterback sneak. Was that your call? Is that a call with the coaches as well? And and thinking about the decision to, to make that play call in that spot. Yeah, we had we had uh, pretty much two different plays in one. And, you know, I thought that's what the defense was giving me uh, at the time based on my on my uh, parameters. And so uh, we gave it a go. And, and unfortunately, we came up short. Um, you know, it, it's always easy in hindsight and after the fact to say, oh, you know what, you guys didn't get it. Why didn't you kick it? Why didn't you, you know, call something else? Why didn't you hand it there? You know, whatever it is, you know, we pick up two yards and, and everyone's talking about how great of a call it was. You know, I love the aggressiveness of our coaches uh, to go for it there and put that game away. And unfortunately we came up short, but uh, we're going to learn from that. You know, and one final question, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about Braxton Berrios and your chemistry with him. I mean, you don't have Corey Davis. You don't have... Elijah Moore, you lose Michael Carter during the game. You're without basically your entire tight end room, and yet he just keeps on making play after play for you. Yeah, he's just an absolute baller. Um, I just got all the trust and, and faith in him, and he's just going to come uh, every single day and do his job. And uh, uh, you know, I just have a lot of trust that he's going to he's going to get open, and uh, he's just a baller. You got to get ballers. Uh, you got to get him the ball in those uh, situations. Zach, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Tremendous effort. I know you came up short, but but you guys should be proud with how you played. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot to Zach, and thanks a lot to Bob there. And just to piggyback off of you know the last remark there about Braxton Berrios, first Jets wide receiver in franchise history, Bart, to have a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown in the same game. Guy just continues to make plays. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, he really – got a boost from being on the show with us, you know, because we're good luck. Tough. Absolutely. You know, you come on with us and you start balling and people recognize you and that sunlight and that, sh that, that spotlight is on you. But um, in all seriousness, you know, this is a guy that has to be a priority. He's a guy that you're going to have to, to, um, you know, pay because, you know, I, I hate to put him in that same brain, you know, as, you know, a lot of times we, we try and find similar comps and we want to go all oh, Julian Edelman. We want to go, you know, Wes Welker, you know, Jericho Cotri. But, you know, to me, he's a bit of one-on-one, -on -one, right? Because his ability to contribute at a high level on special teams. But he's a guy that, you know, he showed yesterday that he can play on the outside as well, right? You know, a lot of times we're going to throw him in a slot, but he's a guy that you can move around and get the ball to, right? And we, we've seen numerous examples of guys and every team has to have one player like that. Or, and some of the good ones have two. Because in this league, you talk about receivers, they're always, you know, they, I call them Ferraris, right? The check engine lights always on and they're always in the shop, right? So you got to have, you got to have a guy like Barrios that has versatility that can be able to move around and do certain things. And um, like I said, Joe Douglas, you know, has just made his job a little harder because, you know, the price has gone up over the last month on practice Barrios, Barrios and his 
value in this league and what he can do and what he brings to a team. You know, it's funny. You know, let's segue real quickly into the around the league stuff here, which is one more Sunday of football or one more weekend of football left. And think about how close the Jets were yesterday, right? If they would have finished off that game against Tampa Bay, they would have had three wins this year against Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, Tennessee, you know, three first place teams in the right. National Football League, three division winners, but still have those Tennessee and Cincinnati wins. And I bring that up because big win by Cincinnati yesterday over Kansas City. Yep. Tennessee stops Miami's seven game winning streak. And oh, by the way, now it's the Titans who have wrestled away control as the number one seed in the AFC going into week 18. No, that's why you have to play every game. You never know what game is going to be the game that stops you from getting where what you want. Right. And, and, and you talk about, you know, the Bengals are looking at, well, man, we should have beat the Jets. And where would we be if we had to beat the Jets? And the Titans are saying, hey, man, if we had to beat the Jets. It would be a no brainer. We would be we would have number one seed locked up. And that's why you, you can't take anybody for granted. And it's about being able to continue to put the effort in the same amount of effort. And it's hard, right, to stay focused. You know, football season is a long time. You know, just trying to stay focused and do everything and not let everything in the in outside of your, you know, football world distract you, not let issues with, you know, what's going on with your family, not let the holidays, you know, distract you. You know, you can't, you can't say you can't cheat the process. You know, the, the, the pursuit of greatness is a lonely road because you have to sacrifice so much. And, you know, it's hard and it's a balance that we have to strike. You know, guys are husbands and fathers and. You know, do I go to my kids recital and when I come back, am I too tired to kind of watch that film like I did the first week or the second week? And that's 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 why sometimes you see guys have flat games right now. Everybody be locked in for the postseason because your goal, you can see the finish line. But it's tough to be able to see the finish line when you haven't even made the first curve. And that's what these young Jets are going to have to learn how to come in week in and week out and never cheat the process because that's how you that, that's how you close the gaps. And that's how you surprise people. No doubt about it. Inside the Jets is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code GREEN for a special offer when you sign up. It's only at DraftKings Sportsbook. What, obviously, we know what the seeds are right now. But how would you handicap the AFC right now in terms of the team to beat? Because going into yesterday... You know, a lot of the Cincinnati Bengals were saying before that game, they said, hey, if we beat Kansas City, we should be considered the team to beat in the conference. Are you buying into that? No, not at all. I mean, that means absolutely nothing. Each team presents a different obstacle. Like, well, they went against Kansas City yesterday. They, they faced a team that, you know, was led by Mahomes that threw the ball and things like that. If they go against Tennessee – they're going to be going against a team that's going to bludgeon them to death, and it's going to be a physical outfit, and that great offense is going to have more pressure because it won't have as many possessions as they have when you're going against a team that throws the ball. So every team has its own unique problem and issue that they that they that they that they bring, and you know Cincinnati can believe that, uh, but you're talking about a team that's speaking that doesn't have the experience that hasn't been in the tournament. They don't have the scar tissue that the Buffalo Bills have. They don't have the scar tissue that the Tennessee Titans have. They don't have the scar tissue that the Kansas City Chiefs have coming off a Super Bowl loss and how much energy it takes to get back and how long your season is when you've been to the Super Bowl the last two years. So they think they know, but they have no idea. But they're going to find out. And are they capable? Yes. But are they a little uh, ignorant to the fact, or I want to say ignorant, a little bit arrogant and not understanding what right. the tournament is about because they've never been there.
No doubt about it. And, and you know, the thing about Cincinnati, though, I always say, like, in, in terms of a message, maybe, you know, for Jet fans out there, that this could turn around. And, you know, you look at a team like Cincinnati, who was down on their luck for the last few years. Now, granted, they've incorporated a lot of talent, young talent, and now you've seen it grow a little bit. But, you know, that was a team that was one of the bottom feeders of the NFL the last few years. And now they've managed to put it all together this year. So this thing can turn around quickly. So, you know, just because you're having a rough season or two, you look to a team like Cincinnati, things can turn around quickly in this league. Well, that's why people love the NFL, because it's not the same people that win every single year. I know we we like to say, oh, this is the era of Kansas City. It's been two years. They've been to the championship two years. They won one, right? But it's always – nobody saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming from, from where they came from. Nope. Right? And a year before, nobody saw the Philadelphia Eagles, right? That's why people love football, because football – is it's 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 one of the games where the best team may not win the championship, right? It's a one-game tournament, and on any given Sunday, Saturday, or Monday this year, you can get beat in the postseason. It's about who dares to be great that particular day, and that's why we love watching it. It's nothing like a single-game elimination tournament. In basketball, you have seven games. It is hard to beat a better team four out of seven times. Anybody can be beat if they have a That's bad what, day, a turnover, uh kicker can't kick, block kick, block punt, special teams lose the game for you. And that's why we tune in. And that's why our sport is the number one sport in all the land because of the unpredictability. You 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 can't who saw Tennessee? Yeah. Who saw the Eagles in the postseason? Who saw the Bengals in the postseason? Nobody. Right? And if and if and I know I keep saying this, but if the Colts get in, they're a dangerous team. Bart, great stuff as always, my friend. We're out of time. You and I got one more of these next week for the season finale of Inside the Jets. I'll look forward to it, my friend. But have yourself a good week, and we'll do it again next Monday. Likewise. All right, that's Bart Scott. I'm Dan Grassa. Thanks for tuning in to Inside the Jets, presented by EY, building a better working world. So long, everybody. <laughs>